Hello, and welcome to the Tuesday edition of The Dice Are Screaming. With myself, Mike, and Randy. Good to be back. Uh, I got back a little sooner than planned, so I, I did not miss today's podcast. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm very happy to be uh, here in the house. Uh, With the Autonomous Gaming Citadel coming to you live or recorded probably when you hear this. And I believe we have a call in. Yes, and a brief shout out to all the gang that's been listening to us. Thank you for all your follows and applauses that you've been giving. Uh, numerous ones. So, if forgive if we're not uh, naming you right at this point. We're going to keep it going though with uh, a call in, and uh, we have I believe Larry Hamilton calling us from. You remember the name? Follow me and, and die. die. Yes, love that. Yeah. Game. So let's get to it. Here's Larry. Hey guys, this is Larry with Follow Me and Die. Just listen to your episode on treasure and uh, magical loot. Uh, one interesting thing I put in an adventure that the players just went nuts over is their opponents had these hand axes that would come back to them, and that's their only magical ability. Is you throw it and it comes back. And so they're thinking they're like plus one axes or something. And uh, they're like, oh, we got to get all those. So they collected up all those axes, and now they've each got this axe. And, but all it does is come back uh, when you throw it. Uh, and so uh, little simple little things like that can be a lot of fun and really get the players wrapped up in things like that. So a uh, good episode, and I'm going to have to probably listen to that again. You had a lot of good ideas in there. All right, and that's Larry. Thank you for the kind words. Yeah, we had a lot of fun with that episode. Uh, there's a lot of meat on that, and we're definitely oh. going to be revisiting that soon. Yeah, we will be revisiting the treasure subject because we have no choice. There mm-hmm. was so much material that we didn't get a chance to cover that it actually hurt. I I honestly felt like I, I was cheating myself out of some of the things we could have covered. Yeah, we just wanted to gloss it over and give it a basically a once-over treatment with a lot of room left in for other episodes to drift into and uh, pull from. But thank you very much for that. And, of course, the hand axes. Yeah. Yeah. That's what we were talking about. Turning hand axe. So useful, and yet it's not a thing you think of as big treasure, you know? Low on XP cost, low on, like, high power. Doesn't imbalance a campaign but extremely useful to player characters. That is a total win. That is what we're talking about. Right. And, uh, of course, uh, to our other new followers, thank you so much, and just keep them coming in, guys. Collins, Collins, we love our Collins. So we're going to just jump right into it. And just like that, we're going to be talking. This way, man! We're going to be talking about... Board games! Yeah. Oh, well... I, yeah. I, I thought we were going to be talking about the the, the, the superhero role. Oh, board games. Okay. Oh, all right, no. so board games. Yeah, all right. Um, yeah, I, yeah I, I want to apologize for shifting gears on us. We were actually going to hit the uh, note on superhero games. Uh, that was a thing that we were... It's my pet project. Supreme, Don't let them... I, I am so into it myself, I, I'm actually on board. But I, I had a <laughs> wild hair up my butt 
on the idea yeah. of board games. Yeah, so this is... And I, I can tell you point blank where the inspiration came from. I'd like to give a shout out and a nod to our uh, beloved uh, gaming location. Perfect Storm Comics and Games here in Battle Creek. Yep. Uh, they bequeathed unto me a board game that uh, was quite outdated and that I looked at with great excitement because it was in terrific shape and it just brought back fond memories. So right before I headed up north, I really had board games on the brain. And mm. so I just really wanted to get this one out. Yeah, so board games. Um, we're role players. Why are we talking about board games? Aren't those at cross purposes? Oh, hell no. Yeah, they're uh, part of our origin story, man. You know, it's uh, where would Spider-Man be without a, a dead uncle, you know? Yeah, and, <laughs> Uncle Ben! No! Well, at least he had the right fortune to fall back on. I will never use my powers foolishly again. Unless it's for really good comic effects. See, we got the superhero thing, so I'm happy. Yeah, All right. we, we managed to brush up against that. Yeah. Aha! How you like that, huh? But, yeah, we're beta. But you would be talking about board games. You got to start somewhere, and of course, we're just going to start at chess. Yeah, of course, there's Go and uh, Mahjong, and I know there's passed the test of time, but chess, the great, great, hoary, bearded sire of all the board games. Uh, some people believe chess is a war game, others believe it is one of courtly intrigue. Whatever it is, it's been around for a long time, and of course, it's changed. Yeah, hundreds of different forms, you know, yep. as many outlandish shapes as you can imagine, uh, you know, crisscrossing every continent on the globe. But the idea of sitting down and having a static field of play that was self-contained, and uh, of course no dice, but, uh, you know, structure. Just, yeah, structure was just entirely within the board itself and the strategy of the game. It was a strategy game no matter how you put it. But through the centuries it changed and it became one of, uh, from noble people down to the more common man and uh, therein lies the uh, rub is that it began to put together a diverse collection of people from different strata both you know the enlightened and noble along with the common and rough would play chess and you know it was a common lingua franca of gaming now you say well what does this have to do with board games well, well we're gonna sure you know let's look at the next transition in gaming from that point and it, it dates back centuries the the fine and respected and very gamer relevant uh, use of metallic miniatures uh, in wargaming and you once again had a set field of battle uh, you know, agreed upon rules and figures representing and out of that, we also yeah. included was a random element. Uh, yeah, usually it was a referee, usually an experienced uh, colonel or general field officer who had served some time would be the referee who would set up correct. conditions and adjudicate rules. And it was mainly meant to teach young officers how to command and make strategic decisions on the fly. And it was a way, more than principal uh, military effects, but... It transferred again, but it had a way of transferring from just played by military to other amateur historians, namely H.G. Wells with Little Wars. Yes. Uh, we look at that gilded age of miniature wargaming, 
and we see our own origin story in it. It is inextricably linked to the beginnings of RPGs because the people who ultimately formed the first role-playing games, uh, as we know them, were also fans of miniatures. And, you know, that brings us back to the board game right. at this protean stage of development. About the same time, very close, uh, we saw early gamers altering miniatures war games to suit their changing interests, we also saw a change in the nature of board games, which certainly existed in many other forms at that time. Now, I would be shameful not to mention classics like Monopoly, you know, yeah. which those were more family-oriented, uh, familiar board games that crossed all social boundaries, but also... Avalon Hill. Yeah. Right. Avalon Hill uh, started out doing stuff like uh, Squad Leader and, uh, you know, uh, picked up eventually Rail Barons and even Diplomacy. And these games were very complex compared to, say, Risk. Oh, yes. And Or Life, you know, which were, you know, say what you will about Monopoly, but Monopoly is a beloved classic because it's a self-contained environment. You know, there's... You know, are you playing a billionaire trying to, you know, hedge out everybody? Or are you trying to play a post-industrialist trying to, you know, expand his empire from the railways and utilities into, you know, real estate? You know, the sky's the limit. You know, you can role-play, I guess, with Monopoly. But say what you want. It is a self-contained strata, and it had its own rules and oeuvre with it. And it's still beloved and carried on today like chess, which shows that it has an enduring classic quality. Nonetheless, it had a lot of components. It contained its own currency. It had the thimble and the race car and the terrier. What do these things mean? What do they have to do with Monopoly? I don't know. Yeah. Are, you, are you the thimble? Are you the cloth magnet? Are you the race car? The, you know, the dilet rich, overindulged diligent? Are you the terrier? You're, you're, the old shoe. <laughs> yeah, I'm the old. I bring myself up by my bootstraps. You know. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But fun stuff in, in nonetheless. And all of us who look back on gaming past a certain point. Uh, many people are introduced to it in this era via the internet. But in our childhoods, I would hazard a guess that almost all of us who cherish and remember the development of D&D and D&D-themed board games, uh, or fantasy-themed board games in the 1980s, 1990s, Almost all of us share a common root in the 1970s and or 1960s playing those same board games that were readily available, and our love of games opened the door of curiosity and our willingness to participate in new and different types of games. So right. it, it's a formative experience that I think is totally relevant to our genre here. Yeah. And, you know, when Dungeons & Dragons ushered in, and eventually did come out of war games, but... Uh, there was a ton of players, including Gygax, that played Diplomacy, and they had oh, uh, classic uh, numerous communities that they and uh, fanzines and mail play by mail uh, games of Diplomacy that they talked about, including Rail Barons and others. But they were very popular. Now Avalon Hill kind of switched gears just a little bit. You know they had done Squad Leader. They were very serious, uh, very complex, and highly contrived games that used dice to formulate and resolve 
the scenarios that you found yourself in. So squad leader could be anything from an ambush situation to you trying to replicate a historical moment during World War II and whatnot. But they were still primarily war games. They were played without miniatures. They were played with cardboard chits, which leads us to the next part. Is yep. Once Dungeons & Dragons hit, <laughs> you know, it did change a few things. And one of the big things that it changed was how people played. Now, of course, you still had the traditional format of the board game. And into this enters Dark Tower, 1981. Yeah, Bradley. this is one of the early, uh, the arguably one of the earliest... Uh, mixtures of electronic medium with uh, classic board game medium with a fantasy theme. So you see all three of these elements fold into a single product that has since become legendary uh, for its impact. Yeah, it wasn't uh, widely produced, which is why it still fetches a very high price on eBay. As a matter of fact, there's an entire market devoted to restoring the old machines and keeping them going, as well as taking components from um, ones that have fallen into disrepair, repairing them and refurbishing them. But so beloved is the game, and there's an app for it that you can play for Dark Tower, which will give you a, a taste for it. Dark Tower used, instead of dice, a computer. A very primitive one, but it still randomized everything. And you could go and you know into tombs and other places. You could seek sanctuary in towns and cities and buy goods and foods for your uh, followers and go out into the wilderness and stomp monsters and get loot. And I'm going to pause for a moment and mention that circa 1981, while all of this sounds now like, oh, well, you know, that's pretty nice, in 1981 that equaled, holy crap, all of my circuits just fried. I cannot believe how freaking cool this is. You know, yeah. none of that was easily available. Uh most computers at the time were pretty sluggish, and most adventures were text-based. So to have an interactive object mm -hmm. uh, that is just standing in front of you, that is managing all of this, was a capital achievement. It was just yeah. a huge leap forward. And it was very expensive. Oh. And that was the other thing. You know, oh, yeah. For a kid to you know, bug your parents for this for Christmas, boy, oh, that was a big one. Yeah. I had a friend, and boy, did we play the crap out of it. I never even saw one up close. Oh, boy. Uh, I have only seen it on the internet. I've oh, never goodness. even touched it. You have to break one. one out one of these times that's coming. But anyway, <gasps> um, you know, this was during the era also the coin-op arcade games were starting to take their toll on all sorts of gaming. And Sad but true. You know, because disposable income, you know, for a couple quarter, a pocket full of quarters, man, you could go and uh, blow stuff up real good or and just get owned, you know, on the hot leaderboards. But Yeah, by 85, 86, you know, we were pumping quarters into that gauntlet game in the mall. Yeah. Uh, like mindless zombies. Uh, uh, and Mike, you're, you're, not, you're, like, yeah, you're not supposed to shoot the food. And number two, you are not defeating that ghost by running right into it. It is devouring your hit points. No, no, it's not. I am devouring its hit points. Well, who are we to dispel such yeah. illusions, you know? I, he was having a great time, but, yeah. you know, we <laughs> always happy. throw a couple of extra quarters in there for that extra <laughs> Nonetheless, we played uh, a lot of video games, arcade games, but the console game was just not up to it. I mean, you had Atari 2600, and sure, it had Adventure and a couple other fantasy-related titles, but it just wasn't there. And yeah, I, in television, I had vision and, you know, uh, while it was still very crude, uh, it was satisfying in its own way, but it had not yet 
dominated the market yeah. away from the classic board game. Uh, was it was later? Yeah, that other game. board games would start to become more extravagant, like Fireball Island and other things, and uh, you know they would try to do things that were. You know, it's got more moving parts and things like that. You know, a la Mousetrap. You know, it's this, this contrived thing. And it's got looking lots of moving parts. But they weren't as fun as some of the games that you played earlier. And to be honest, they were trying more to allure people in who were enamored of a product that they just couldn't compete with. There was no way when, by the time the NES was going to come out, that anybody could have foreseen the effect it would have on the collective video gaming market. Now, this does not mean that some amazing games didn't come out in the meanwhile. I mean, as we see things like uh, Hero Quest at that time. Yeah, well, let's oh. let, we're getting ahead of ourselves because uh, yeah. we forget the real elephant, Talisman. Oh, all right, all right, my bad. Yeah, but I jumped the gun there, uh, but I haven't jumped the shark. No, you would never jump the shark. I don't the know. shark had it coming. Yeah, I will shank the shark, but uh, I will not jump it. Uh, no, Talisman. Uh, made a big splash. It was an impressive display as box games went. Yeah, it didn't have a whole lot of components, mostly little cardboard figures, and but the board was evocative. The cards gave you challenges, and there were always there was always something to do in it as you circled around trying to get to the center of the talisman. You had to collect the parts to get to the next levels, and you know, boy, it was a lot of fun, and a lot of people really jumped onto it. But, you know, we ought also be remiss if we didn't mention computer games at the time. You know, we always go back to the Oregon Trail where, you know... Ah, died of dissing Terry. Oh, I never should have dissed him. No, you should not. Because oh, Terry, Terry killed the hell out of me. Oh. Yeah. No, uh, Taipan, oh. uh, if we remember that Temple one. Temple of Apshai. Um, Bard's Tale, uh, as things began to get a little more complex. Yeah. Uh, the original Ultima. Mm. Oh. oh, yeah, yeah. Wasn't that a fun one? Yeah, yeah, that uh, was great. Crude, but very satisfying for the time. Uh, we had gotten used to this slow arc of improvement in video entertainment, both for PC and for console, and that trend did not stop. It continued to improve, which really put board games in a corner. Yep, and you would think... You know, that, now Talisman, now you talk about HeroQuest, uh, Milton Bradley teamed up with Games Workshop to put some nice plastic miniatures into a full big box of almost epic proportions of beautifully tiled board maps and little uh, doors and treasure chests and monsters and all sorts of things that you would expect to find in a typical Dungeons & Dragons adventure, but within a static playing field, much like chess. It was its own environment. And, you know, you picked your characters and they would improve over games. And you did all these things that were reminiscent of a role-playing game. But, you know, in spite of that, you know... <laughs> they captured the core concept. But they were also facing this inevitable march of technology that could not be beat. It was amazing to see what happened. Um, and... We remember almost all of it, uh, every step of the way, with, with yep. a few exceptions of things like, well, I didn't happen to be the one who tried that thing, and he over here did not happen to try that mm -hmm. thing. But in our circle of friends, at some point or another, almost all of us brushed up against the continually evolving technologies of that time uh, with great satisfaction, yeah. enormous interest. It did not, at any point, 
spoil our love of role-playing games, and it didn't wipe out our affection for board games. But our attention was, just like everyone else's, very much on what was new and like, holy crap, have you heard about this? You know, each generation, you know, uh, up until Doom, you know, I was, oh boy, Doom. Um, but we won't digress, uh, uh, we even talk yeah. about that, but just we'll, say that We'll computer, hammer home the, the dawn of the video game era another time, but uh, yeah, it was a happy moment. It was, and both the console and PC gaming market just about hit their stride at the same time with the PlayStation uh, 1, and then, you know, the Sega Genesis went off to the wayside, and then eventually, you know, Xbox and all those would come about. But in spite of this, you would say that the board game market would be dead and we'd be eulogizing it. But you're wrong. Yeah, you would have thought that would have spelled out the end. What it did spell out was kind of a dip. Uh, it was very tough for a lot of companies, but it was not the end. Parker Brothers, Milton Bradley, they're all... Yeah, you can find them. They're just placeholders now. Mm -hmm. Even Avalon Hill's a placeholder now. Ah, true. But, I you know... Refute. Access and Allies still run. Oh, sure. But that was uh, another old favorite. From Europe would come a new wave of games. Yeah, and this is a little bit of a contentious subject because there are some people, not everybody, but there are some people who find themselves on one side or another. And, uh, it, you know, at least in my case, I'm more of an iron gamer. You have a game? I will play this game! Mm -hmm. You know, I am not afraid of your game. By the I gods, will. I will learn these rules and I will have fun. If even if it kills me, I will clamber over a mountain of dead for my fun. Uh, you know that I will not be intimidated by any rule system, by any game, even if I need a friend there to adjudicate and help me through it, uh, which blessedly I have, uh, and I often need that help. <laughs> but you know, I pride myself on the fact that you know, like, oh, you have a game, this is totally happening. And that's been a lifetime attitude. And these new games, contentious though some of them may have been, I haven't, I haven't found them dissatisfying at all. No. Uh, Carcassonne, by example. Settlers of Catan was one of the first ones to break out and start showing this new wave of playing games. And board games slowly began to come into their own. And they weren't trying to compete with flashy do mechanics of the collectible card game or even compete with the role-playing game. They would brush up against them, like with Descent and yeah. Rune Wars. Oh, or the various homages to uh, particularly popular video and uh, PC games like Civilization. Uh, mm -hmm. There are a number of board games now, you know, Age of Wonder, you know, and things that are all about uh, uh, Civilization advancing and constructing wonders. You know, and I happen to be a huge fan of Civ. Uh, and all of the various Civ games. So, you know, those have not been a bad moment for me. I was thrilled to see that start to pop up in gaming markets. Yeah, and like big games like Twilight Imperium, which has, you know, literally like five, six hundred components to it, ships and planets and star bases and whatnot. You know, these large-scale games even began uh, replicating video games like StarCraft and oh, yeah. Warcraft. And uh, the, the games began to beget... Yeah, they became the origin point for video games. You're like, hey, let's make a video game out of this. Yeah, yeah. or uh, we'll follow a video game. <laughs> yeah, why not? You know, if it's got a video game already out, we can transform that uh, into a board game and see if that moves. 
And people like that because, well, let's face it, back in the days of the 90s, getting together a LAN party was a thing <laughs> of engineering. <laughs> yeah, when we cover uh, video games sometime, we'll, we, will, we will bemoan some of our LAN game fates. Uh, there are much gnashing of teeth and Diablo cursing and beating of breast. Um, <laughs> Diablo 2. Yeah, getting a LAN party for Diablo 2. Oh, my uh, D1. D1. Yeah, well, yeah. you're just better off playing on the internet at that point in time. Yeah. <laughs> Don't even bother. But Tears yeah, we, and we, inevitable collapse. Oh, boy. So. Yeah. Uh, but, no. Uh, oh, another fun game. Blood Bowl. Yes, Blood Bowl. Oh, yeah. Um, Games Workshop. Thank you so much. Fury of Dracula. Uh, if you know about it, you can play it. That's a great one. Also, my personal favorite, Chainsaw Warrior. The ultimate solitaire game. Oh my gosh. I had long forgotten that. Chainsaw Warrior. <laughs> it's like Die Hard meets Doom before Doom was ever even thought of. Yeah. Oh. Terrific tabletop. Oh, some of those some of those outrageous weird sessions where we were down a player or two and they were a critical member. And so we just said, Well, we're doing a board game night and to be truthful, that tradition has never really stopped for us. No. Uh, so we encourage it for other people. I, you know, I'm, I'm not dictating terms to people, but I, I am going to testify that my experience has been that a good game at the table does not necessarily have to be a role-playing game, and that if something is getting in the way of the RPG style that night, let it happen, man. Get some friends, get a board game out. Have a blast. Yeah, and one of the big things of the innovations from the so-called European market were is cooperative play. Now, cooperative play had been around in some of the board games for a while. But, you know, you're always competing against your other players. Get there first. Do this first. You know, you're the winner is the person who moves his mouse into the square. This card allows you to club your teammate over the head uh, with a brick. And... Or Croquet Mallet. He has lost 10 rounds, $1,000, and is also developing male pattern baldness. You know, just it, There were a yeah. lot of facets in traditional board games that were very much what people call screw your neighbor. And while the European games are not necessarily non-competitive, they're not quite so vicious. Uh, yeah, which like, look, I happen to like both types of games. I I love a good game of you know, like, hey, good old fashioned Uno. Draw four cards. <laughs> if Uno had its own anime movie. Oh 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 yeah, it'd have to be a grindhouse film. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> this card allows me to play four cards at once and make you draw four. Yeah, so, you know, yeah, those are the classical competition games, but the European game was, it wasn't necessarily about, the model was, is that you all had fun, that's your reward. Yeah. And, you know, there's a number of great board games. We I literally can't even count them all. They've come out in the last decade alone. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, the walls are full of them in game shops everywhere, and I've got a number of friends who are adamant collectors of wide varieties of games, and I've had the privilege and pleasure of playing a lot of those games in the last couple of years. So it's just been an exciting development and wonderful to see the resuscitation, uh, the rebirth of a market that 
was so important to my favorite hobby and to my formative years as a gamer. Uh, so that that's kind of my keynote there, is yeah. that it was a huge part of where we come from and what we do and what we enjoy. And although there are many things that I enjoy more than a board game, I have never, ever forgotten my historic allegiance and affection for board games. Yeah, and that's... Um... You know, we can name a lot of other games, but uh, one I think that I wanted to bring up was uh, Robo Rally, that one where you, uh, the cooperative game where you're just trying to get through a maze controlled by board AIs, and you draw cards of which way the conveyor belt takes you and what traps you have to overcome. Wow. You poor little robots just die <laughs> over and over. It sounds uh, like a much more organized and robotic version of Devil Bunny Wants a Hand. Yeah, and cheap-ass games, we can't forget you guys. Yeah. Taking old clue and kill Dr. Lucky. Boy, that guy has more lives than a breeding farm full of rabbits. Oh, I swear. Yeah, kill Dr. Lucky is basically in clue inverted. With the, <laughs> you, you take the clue board and now uh, doc, the doctor, the host is 100% alive and a thorn in your collective butts. And each of your jobs is to somehow be the one to assemble the right circumstances, corner him in the correct room, and kill him with the correct implement. Yep. Uh, and that's your goal, is to kill the jerk who offended each of you. Uh, and whoever is the first to kill Dr. Lucky wins. So, uh, not out to cheap-ass games for one of the most hilariously fun revisions of Clue ever. Yes. So, you know, we again, we can take this subject to its ultimate conclusion, which is just go play a board game. And, uh, yeah. you know, when you find yourself like a little burnout or you're just not feeling up to it, throw it down a board game and just have fun. Yeah, uh, lower time commitment, you know, just a couple of hours uh, and just as much potential for laughter. And it gets you out from behind the screen if you're a game master and as a player, it gets you into the role of being able to screw up your neighbors or help everybody have fun and win. Yeah. So, you know, no matter what it is, the game you play, play it well. But I think we've worn out our time limit. Not that we really have one, to be honest, but we like to pretend. Yeah, we, we like to pretend that there is some kind of or organization level or planning at, at this table, uh, which, you know, opening the kimono, oh, in my finest tradition. Oh, my goodness. Uh, wiggle it just a little bit. Avert the yeah, eyes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, opening the kimono, the truth is that there's very little in the way of organization and planning, but uh, we well, have covered the topic handily, yeah. I think. And I hope you and enjoyed fun. our little rambling uh, discourse on board games. We're going to do more of these little things, but as always, we're going to get right back in the gist of it next time with something fun. Superheroes? Oh, no, I was just teasing about that. But oh, anyway, okay. well, that's I'm, just my running I'm jacket. so hip to it. I, that's, I want that to be my kitsch, you know. The, that's my thing, you know. Okay. Uh, but anyway, we appreciate you hanging out with us and we hope you had a lot of fun. Nonetheless, give us some applause, some likes on Facebook and all the other usual haunts on Twitter. Me at Death Hand Gaming. That's D E T H A N D Gaming. And myself at Magi Vox at Magi Vox on Twitter. And also a shout out to my lovely wife for doing the Instagram. She's a pimple. Love you, Sarah. Thank you. And. At that, I think we're going to wrap it up. So, a rousing round of goodbyes to you all. And may the dice always roll in your favor. We're out. See ya.